This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Book uh, written by David Brooks. He was a U.S. national bestseller. It's called The Road to Character. And it's interesting because he, he talks about how there's a lack of character development in America today. And it's not really pushed. It's not really taught. And he distinguishes between what he calls two kinds of virtues. Resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Now, I wouldn't call them eulogy virtues, but those are the words he uses. Resume virtues and eulogy virtues. He says, resume virtues are the ones we write on our CVs, right? The guy's a top accountant. He's good at numbers and he's good at uh, this. He knows all the laws. He knows how to uh, lower the taxes and everything. He puts them together his resume. That's resume virtues. And that he, that's, those are the virtues that are valued in society and in the marketplace. Our achievements, our qualifications, our skills. But he says, and this is, Judaism has been saying this for thousands of years. It is the eulogy virtues, what he calls eulogy virtues, that we will be remembered for. We will be remembered not for our CV virtues, not for our resume virtues, not what we're qualified to do but who we are. So it's a very important uh, difference between the two virtues, the resume virtues and who we really are, our personality, our character virtues. And what Judaism prizes and was trying to inculcate into us is these character virtues that we have to work on. And really that is what Yom Kippur is all about. It's a day about character building and character virtues and Teshuva Rambam says, not just from deeds, but also from things that we do based on our character. Did we get angry? Did we get happy? What caused that? Did we, were we angry about the right things or the wrong things? What caused that? All these things need to have Teshuva. Just like this Teshuva Rambam says from deeds, there's a Teshuva process also from Midot, character. So when we talk about virtues, there's the virtues of the resume, which are highly prized by society, but the main virtues of the Jewish virtues are the virtues of the character traits, the virtues of personality. That's something which we have to talk about before we go into Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur is a day on which we have to focus and not just on what we are for the outside society, what we have achieved in our professional careers, but who we really are. Hashem does not care so much what we achieved in our professional careers unless we helped others by doing so he's he's more interested in who we are who are we you know there's a famous story it says there was a man who was lost at sea and he was in a small boat he was lost at sea and he sends out an sos and uh, the coast guard gets in touch with him to the radio and they say where what is your position and he says he sends back a reply i am a bank manager so obviously, that's the two different things completely. You know, the Coast Guard's looking for his position on the map, and he's telling what his position is um, in terms of society and hierarchy and his job uh, placement. So it's very important to note, and this is very important. People think about, who am I? And what comes to their mind is their profession. Who am I? I am this. I am so-and-so. I'm an accountant. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a professor. I'm this. I'm that. That's who I am. And the answer is, no, that's not who you are. You are the sum total of your personality traits. A person is the sum total of the personality traits. So this is uh, Brooks again. He says, 
We live in a society that encourages us to have a great career, but leaves many of us inarticulate about how to cultivate the inner life. It's the inner life that's important. The inner life is the life of the soul. It's the life of personality, which is the vessel for the soul. That is the inner life. That is the, the, the conception that we have before going to Yom Kippur. Hashem would ask us, who are you? As he asked Adam Rishon, Adam Rishon sins. Adam, the first man, sins. We all know the tree of, tree of knowledge of good and evil, whatever it was. We don't know exactly what it was, what kind of tree it was. The French say it was an apple tree. You know, the apple adverts, they always advertise the apple tree, Adam and Eve and the apple tree. Uh, it definitely wasn't an apple tree. Uh, the Gemara gives different versions of what kind of tree it was, but the fact is we don't know what kind of tree it was. Was it a real tree? Was it a symbolic tree? But anyway, it wasn't an idol tree, idolatry. Anyway, so uh, the fact is that Adam sins and Hashem asks him one question, a one-word question. And this is the question that we have to deal with at Yom Kippur. Hashem asks Adam, he says, Ayeka, where are you, Adam? What are you doing, Adam? What are you doing? One word question. What are you doing with all the gifts I gave you? What are you doing in the Garden of Eden where I gave you this beautiful garden, the most beautiful woman made to measure for you? What are you doing with all the gifts I gave you? And this is really the same question we will be faced with on Yom Kippur. Hashem will be saying to us on Yom Kippur, Ayeka, where are you? What have you done the last year? What have you done with all the gifts I gave you, with the money I gave you, the health I gave you, the strength I gave you, the brains I gave you? What have you done with everything I gave you? And this, that's the question which we have to prepare our answers. That is the teshuva. Teshuva can mean repentance and teshuva can also mean an answer and that's the question which we're going to have to answer is ayeka what kind of person are you what kind of person am i i don't know what kind of person am i i'm going to ask my wife i have to ask my close relatives my children what kind of person am i am i a nice person a good person the truth is that only god knows what kind of person a person really is inside because the person is really the thoughts that come into their heads uh, you know, King David says in a beautiful psalm, everyone knows Psalm 23, but they don't know Psalm 24. Psalm 24 is a psalm that every Jew is meant to say on a Sunday. And it's a psalm that is also picked to be the psalm for sustenance, which uh, we, as far as at least, maybe Ashkenaz as well, I'm not sure. We have in our liturgy, uh, every time after the prayers and after Shacharit, we have a prayer for Parnassah, for sustenance. And which psalm is used for the prayer for sustenance? It's Psalm 24. So um, it's a beautiful psalm. And one of the lines of the psalm is, Mi behar Hashem, who can climb the mountain of God? That's a beautiful way of putting the idea of life. Life is all about climbing the mountain of God, or in the vision of Jacob, was climbing the ladder to God. Who will climb this mountain to God, King David says. And then he says two things, two qualities to climb the mountain to God. Niki kapai, a person with clean hands, and a person with a pure heart. The two qualities to climb the mountain of God, number one is the quality of clean hands. Now, what are clean hands? Anyone goes to the bathroom, washes their hands. Is that clean hands? And the answer is no, that's not clean hands. Clean hands are hands that didn't touch things that don't belong to them. 
clean hands, terminology used for persons who never touched things that don't belong to them. And a bar leval, a pure heart, is a heart which does not harbor any enmity or jealousy or any bad will towards anyone. A pure heart. Clue two things. Who will climb the mountain of God? These are qualities that Hashem is looking for in us. These are the qualities which we will have to answer for on Yom Kippur. Are our hands clean? And do we have a pure heart? Person going to work on hands clean and pure heart. Do we do God's commandments or we disobey God's commandments? We have dirty hands or clean hands. Do we have a pure heart? What's going on in our minds? All the thoughts that a person may not actually do, carry out, but what's going on in their minds? Are their minds clean? Are their minds dirty? Are their minds full of thoughts of jealousy, of rage? Um, or what else are they thinking? Hashem wants a person who's got a pure heart. Anyway, these are the, the, the qualities which are not talked about on our CVs, on our resumes. They don't ask us to write down what kind of character traits we have on our CVs, but these are the things, the qualities that Hashem is looking for in us on Yom Kippur. These are things we have to answer for. Ayeka, where are you? What are you up to? Who are you? These are the things that we have to answer for on Yom Kippur. And that's the Jewish calendar. Encourage us to examine and articulate what really counts, and especially on Yom Kippur. What really counts, you know, because there's one occasion more than any other that sharpens our awareness of time passing, of life's fleeting loneliness, and how to focus not only on what I am going to live for, but also what I'm going to live. Who am I? And that is this pause of Yom Kippur. Who am I? What am I? What are my goals in life? What am I trying to reach? Who am I trying to help? Am I trying to help? Am I not trying to help? Am I just a greedy person, a selfish person? Am I trying a person who gives to others as well? So it's a very important idea, this idea of two kinds of resumes. The resume, which we give out as a job resume, a professional resume, or the resume of our characters. Who are we? What are we? And that's what Hashem is more interested in. So Yom Kippur is like a Shabbat of Shabbats. It's called Shabbat Shabbaton. The Torah calls it a Shabbat Shabbaton, a turbocharged Shabbat. It also reminds us not to neglect the other 52 Shabbatot, days that help us to get off the relentless racetrack of life, enables us to switch off our nagging phones, demanding emails. Uh, I don't know if Twitter's, I never used Twitter, a Facebook that is not really your face. So, so it's a day of inward thinking, of thinking about oneself and what to be like. Now, who are we are meant to be like? Who are Jews meant to be like? Every single human being is meant to be like God. We are meant to emulate God. Hashem tells us in the Torah, in the Barim, it says, You will walk in his ways, Moshe Rabbeinu says. Moses says, walk in God's ways. We have to walk in God's ways. We have to emulate God. So that it's interesting, is that there was a, a person, an interesting person, that you have to be Jewish, Oliver Sacks, not Rabbi Sacks, but Oliver Sacks, who died in 2015. He was a celebrated neurologist and author, Oliver Sacks. I'm not promoting any of his works, I don't recommend them. But he says, in one of his last articles, he says, he wrote about his orthodox upbringing he had abandoned. And he writes over there, in, in the 1990s, he had reconnected to an Israeli cousin. Now, his Israeli cousin is also very famous, a Nobel Prize winner. His name is Robert 
John Elman. And Robert John Elman won uh, the Nobel Prize Prize. Well, I think it was game theory, a mathematician. So he won a Robert Nobel Prize and he joins this uh, Oliver Sacks, the neurologist joins his cousin, the Nobel Prize, who happens to be an Orthodox Jew for a Friday night Shabbat meal. And he writes over there, this is what Oliver Sacks, he writes about this, he says, he writes about the Shabbat meal. He said, the peace of the Shabbat, a stopped world, a time outside time was palpable. It infused everything and I found myself drenched with wistfulness, wondering what if, if I'd have still remained an Orthodox Jew, what sort of person I might have been, what sort of life might I have lived? And these are the thoughts that should come to a person on Yom Kippur. If I had different qualities, what kind of person would I be? What kind of life would I live? And let me now make up my mind to be a better person. Yom Kippur is a day to be a better person. So it's a very important idea, very important idea to look back and on the last year and think about what can we perfect? What can we be like? What can we change in our lives? Not just have a CV, a professional CV, but a person should have a CV for their eulogy, a CV that our children and our grandchildren will talk about who grandpa, who grandma was and their traits. And it's interesting because there's also the concept of leaving not just uh, a will, a financial will, but also an ethical will. The Ramban writes an ethical will to his children. He talks about the letter of the Ramban to his children when he was still alive. He wrote about his, his morals and what he wants from his children, his ethics and what he desires for his children. Uh, there's a different sex, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, of course, no one needs uh, any introduction to Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of England, Alaba Shalom, good Sadiq, uh, tremendous impact on the whole world. And, and he says the background to David Brooks' book, that's interesting, what is the background? Now, David Brooks wasn't Jewish at all, but what's the background to his book? So Jonathan, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says that the background to this book, which is not mentioned anywhere, he says is Rabbi Salavechik's great essay. The Lonely Man of Faith. Rabbi Salavechik writes this book, Lonely Man of Faith, in which he notes that the Torah consists of two accounts of creation of man. The first one is in Genesis 1 and brings you to chapter 1, Genesis 1, and the other was, is in Genesis 2. And in Genesis 1, Hashem just talks in the general sense about the creation of humans as part of the human of the natural order. On the sixth day, Hashem created animals, and on the sixth day, Hashem created man. Zachar and Keva bara otav. Male and female, he created them. And then in the second chapter of Rashid of Genesis, Hashem, the Torah goes back and says that man was alone. So it's interesting. In the first chapter, it seems to be more than one human being. It's a biological species of, of human humanity. And in Genesis 2, it talks about man being alone and Hashem created Adam, and then he created Chava, Eve, a man capable of loneliness, a man capable of love. The reason the Torah does this, says the Rav, Rav Salavechik, is because there are two basic elements that makes us what we are. There are two Adams. There is Adam one, majestic man, the language-speaking, tool-making animal, highest of all life forms, capable of monumental scientific and technological achievements. 
that's Adam 1. And that's the Adam 1 that we write on our CVs when we look for a job. That's what we talk about when we're looking for a job, our prof professional qualifications. And then there's Adam 2. Adam 2 is the covenantal personality defined by our relationships with other people and with our relationships with God, with Hashem. Majestic man has the resume virtues. The covenant man has the eulogy virtues, humility, gratitude, integrity, joy, the willingness to serve and make sacrifices in the name of high ideals. So we are composites of Adam 1 and Adam 2. We are composites of majestic, the inventor, majestic man, the inventor, the speaker, the writer. Yes, that's majestic man, the highest of all life forms. And then there's covenantal man, the man who can make relationships happen between him and his spouse, between a wife and a husband, between uh, parents and children, covenantal man, between man and God. And that's who we are. We are both of these things. And success is not only about what we take out of the world, but also what we put back into the world. We're looking at uh, all the things going on in the world today with climate change and these flooding and, and uh, hurricanes and all this stuff. It's all, a lot of it is man-made. We don't know for sure, but a lot of it must be man-made because we're taking out from this earth and we're not replenishing it. So at times like this, of great change where the world is faced with so many crises and challenges from uh, global warming to failed and failing states, from a huge tide of human misery to growing inequality, from ISIS to crisis. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and turn inwards to focus on the eye, on the iPhone, on the iPad, on the iPod, to zone in on aloneness of Adam or my own narrow circle. But on Yom Kippur, will not allow us to just focus on ourselves. Yom Kippur is all about how we focus on three different parts of the Magen David. And again, you know, the Magen David consists of two triangles. What is the triangles? The, the Jewish world, Pirkei Avot tells us, right at the beginning of Pirkei Avot, the world rests on three things, Torah, Avodah, and Yimunut Hasadim. The Torah, which is our, my ethics, my morality that I learned from the Torah, who I am. Avodah is how I relate to God, how I serve God, the creator. And Gilut Hasidim is how do I relate to others. That's Gilut Hasidim, doing kindness to other people. How do I relate to the rest of the world? Three things that we're going to judge, we're going to be judged by on Yom Kippur. So we have to focus not just on ourselves, but also on others. Not just inward, but also upward and outward. We focus on ourselves, we focus on God, we have to focus on other people as well. And that's why we read on Yom Kippur afternoon, you know, like the crescendo of Yom Kippur, we don't really realize there's a crescendo of Yom Kippur. Actually, the actual crescendo of Yom Kippur is Neila, the end of Neila. It's interesting, Rabbi Kamenetsky puts out a column every week, a beautiful column on the parsha every week. And over there he has an article about Neila. And Neila, he says, is the crescendo of Yom Kippur. And... Uh, so the question, we end off Yom Kippur, Hashem Hu Ha'elokim, Hashem Hu Ha'elokim. Seven times we scream, Hashem Hu Ha'elokim. God is the true God. God is the God who has power, not just in the heavens, but also on earth. He is the judge of mankind. God is Elokim, which we learn out from verses in the story of Elijah, the prophet. Eliyahu Navi goes to Mount Carmel and he has 
um, he has a duel over there with the prophets of Baal. And he has a duel over there and he tells the Jewish people, he gathers them around Harit Carmel and Mount Carmel with the king's permission, Ahab, one of the worst kings in our history. And he gathers them together and he says, how long will you guys be, have a foot in each camp? If the Baal is the true God, worship the Baal. If God Almighty Hashem is the true God, worship Hashem. Why were you putting one foot in each camp? Make your minds up. Let's have a duel. So let the prophets of Baal bring an offering first and let them bring fire from heaven. And then I'll go. If they can't bring fire from heaven from their God, I'll bring fire from heaven from my God. And you know what happens is the prophets of Baal fail miserably and uh, they can't bring fire from heaven. And then Eliyahu brings his turn and he says to build a ditch around the, the uh, altar and he fill it with water and drench the cow with water and fire comes from heaven and eats up his offering. And the people shout from there, we learn to Yom Kippur, Ne'ila, Hashem, God is the true God. Hashem is the true God. The God of the Jews is the true God. And they scream it out. That's how we end off our Ne'ila. That's how we end off our Yom Kippur. By screaming seven times, crescendo, God is God, God is God, God is God. There's only God, there's no one else, that's it. And that's how we end off our Ne'ila. But before we get to Ne'ila, the, the opening part of Ne'ila is the end of Mincha service. And towards the end of the Mincha service, we read, amazingly, the whole Haftarah is one book. It's the book of Jonah. It's the book of Yonah, Yonah ben Amitai. Yonah ben Amitai, one of our prophets, one of our small prophets, not our major prophets. It's only four chapters. The book of Jonah is only four chapters. Otherwise, we'd have a very, very, very long reading of Mincha of Yom Kippur. It's a short reading. It's four chapters, and it's the Haftarah of Mincha. And it's the actual introduction to Ne'ilah, the last prayer. the introduction to Ne'ilah. Why? Because the book of Jonah starts with Jonah, Yonah. And Yonah is very complacent. The book starts with a very complacent Yonah. And the word of Hashem comes to Yonah, son of Amitai, saying, Arise, kum lech, go, get up and go to Nineveh, ha'ir ha'gedolah, the big city. Right, go to Nineveh, get up, don't just stay here and do nothing, don't just stay here and enjoy the life, the quiet life in Israel. Go to Nineveh and do my bidding. You have to call out in the city of Nineveh for them to do teshuva because their wickedness has ascended before me, says Hashem. And what is Yonah's response? Yonah runs away in the opposite direction. Yonah gets up to flee to Tarshish, which is far away across the Mediterranean. He runs away across the Mediterranean. So what's going on over here? What is the lesson of the book of Yonah? Why do we read Yonah, the book of Jonah, on Yom Kippur? So the rabbis give us a couple of insights. The first one is obvious, the obvious insights. By the way, the, all the other Hatharot are not mentioned explicitly in the Talmud. The book of Yonah is mentioned explicitly in the Talmud. It's the Talmud in Megillah, page 31a, and over it says, Hachamenu lo but they didn't give a reason. In Mincha time, Yom Kippur, we read the parasha about 
the forbidden relationships in the book of Acharemot in Vayikra and Leviticus, we read about all the prohibited relationships. It's actually a continuation of the Torah reading that we read in the morning, which deals with the death of the two sons of, of Aharon, Nadav and Abihu, and then all the laws of Yom Kippur in Parashat Acharemot. And in Mincha time, we finish, that we complete the end of the parasha which deals with prohibitive relationships. Interesting, Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. Well, Rashi says, what is holiness? And his answer is, holiness is keeping away from immorality. So one of the Torah readings we read on Yom Kippur is to keep away from immorality. And that is one of the themes for holiness. So interesting, Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, we're focusing on holiness. We focus on that reading of Mincha, keep away from immorality. And then we read the book of Jonah. Because holiness is not just keeping away from immorality, it's more than that. So what is the secret? What are the components of the book of Jonah? So the rabbis in the Talmud say to read the book of Jonah, they don't give a reason. So to find the reason, you have to look at uh, the Rishonim, the early rabbis in the uh, 10th, 11th century. Rashi does not give us any reasons on the Talmud over there, but his student, Rabbi Simcha ben Shemuel, one of the students of Rashi who lived in about the 11th century CE, he says, reading the book of Jonah as the Haftarah on the Mincha of Yom Kippur. And the reason is because it's a book about Teshuvah. Who's Teshuvah? The people of Nineveh. It's a book of Teshuvah about the Teshuvah of Gentiles, about the Teshuvah of non-Jews that we read at Yom Kippur as a lesson to us, the Jewish people, those people in Nineveh, the non-Jewish population of Nineveh can do teshuva. What about us? What about we, the Jewish people, who are meant to be a higher moral light to the nations? Do we do teshuva? If they can do teshuva, why can't we do teshuva? So that's the first reason for the book of Yonah. The student of Rashi brings it down. He said to teach us this concept that the non-Jews, the Gentiles in Nineveh did Teshuvah, and if they can do Teshuvah, we can do Teshuvah. We should do Teshuvah. It's a book of Teshuvah. Book of Jonah is a book all about Teshuvah, the Teshuvah of the people of Nineveh. The second theme is uh, elucidated by the Abu Darham. Abu Darham was, again, a rabbi who grew up in Spain, Spanish rabbi in the Golden Age in Spain, who goes through the Siddur and gives reasons for different things that we do. First wants to look up why do we say these things in the Siddur. One of the books you're going to look at, the, te- the source books, is Abu Darham. So the Abu Darham brings down, why do we read the book of Jonah and Yom Kippur? And he says, he says, Lamed haolam. Adam yachol Hashem. To teach people, to teach all humanity, this lesson, the book of Jonah that a person cannot run away from Hashem. There is no escape from Hashem. The second lesson of the book of Jonah, there is no escape from Hashem. And that's how the book of Jonah starts off with Jonah trying to run away from Hashem. Hashem says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, Assyria, in the east of Israel. And Jonah wants to take a boat to go to Tarshish, which is in the west Mediterranean runs in the opposite direction. And the whole book, the Abu Darham says, was to teach us this major principle of the Torah. You can run, but you cannot hide. 
You can never run away from Hashem. You can never hide away from Hashem. One day we'll be called to account, every single human being, one day will be called to account, whether it's in this world or the next world, Hashem's reach. A person cannot escape Hashem's reach. And there's a beautiful Gemara story, the Gemara, the Gemara says, one of the Romans asked Rabbi Akiva. He said, Rabbi Akiva, he said, my God is greater than your God. And Rabbi Akiva says, what do you mean? Yeah, well, how do you see that? He says, listen, he says, I'll prove it to you from your own Torah. I believe that God is the snake. The snake is the most powerful creature out of all constrictor. And I'm going to prove from your own Torah the snake is more powerful than God. Where, where, Rabbi Akiva says. He said, listen, it says in your Torah, it says Moses was at Mount Sinai and he at the burning bush. And God gave him a sign, throw your staff down on the ground. And he threw his staff on the ground and it turned into a snake. And the Torah says, Vayanos Moshe Mipanav, Moshe ran away from the snake. You see, the Roman said to Rabbi Kiva, you see, Moses was running away from the snake, but he wasn't running away from God. So from God, he wasn't scared. He wasn't running away, but from the snake. He was scared. He was running away from the snake. So you see, the snake is more powerful than God. And Rabbi Kiva gives this brilliant answer. Rabbi Kiva says, you can run away from a snake, but from God you cannot run. A person can never run away from God. And that's one of the lessons of the book of Jonah. We read in Yom Kippur. Because a person says, you know what? God's not going to find me. God doesn't know about me. God will never get to me. I'll never have to answer for these things. In the book of Yonah, yes, God will find you. Hashem found Yonah. Yonah tried to run away from Hashem, and Hashem found Yonah. So that's the second lesson we have based on the book of Yonah. The third lesson is an amazing lesson. This lesson is brought down to us by one of the students of the Rashbah. The Rashbah was the great, was the chief rabbi of Spain in the golden age. Rabbi Shlomo ben Haderet. Rabbi Shlomo ben Haderet was brilliant. He was a brilliant man in every field, in every science, and especially in the Torah. He wrote a cold commentary, Kiddushay Harashba on the Talmud. Brilliant, a brilliant commentary. If you want to understand parts of the Talmud, you can read the, the commentaries of the Rashba to teach us about what is the Talmud really all about, what the rabbi is trying to say, the Rashba. Or Shlomo ben Adair, chief rabbi of Spain in the Middle Ages in the 12th, 13th century, and a brilliant man. And his student, now his student is one of his greatest students, which very few people know about. And uh, it's interesting because um, his, he had also a very strange name. And his name is Rabbi Yeshua Ibn Shoib. So, a very Arab name because we know Spain at that time was under the uh, Arab uh, domination, Granada and other places of Spain was conquered by the Arabs in Morocco. So uh, his name was Ibn Shoib. Uh, he says an amazing Rabbi Yoshua Ibn Shoib. He lived in the first half of the 14th century in Spain. And he says amazing uh, reason for reading the book of Yonah stares us in the face. He says the reason is the kindness, the mercy of God rests 
on all his creatures. The mercy of God rests on all his creatures. We have three suggested themes in the book of Jonah. Let's just repeat the three suggested themes in the book of Jonah. The first theme is suggested by students of Rashi. Rashi students, and he says, Rabbi Simcha ben Shemuel, um, in the second half of the third of the 11th century, he says, we read the book of Jonah because it's all about Teshuvah of the Gentiles of Nineveh, and we have to learn Teshuvah from them. The second reason is the Abu Darham. The Abu Darham says um, that uh, it was to teach us that you can never run away from God. No person, no, no human being can ever run away from God's judgments. Not even death is a can a person run away from God's judgment? Death is not the end. My friends, we believe in two worlds. There are two worlds. There's life and there's life after death. If we're not given judgment in this world, we're given judgment in the next world. So Yom Kippur has tremendous ramifications for our spiritual health and our physical health in this world and also in the next world as well. We have to put up our socks, our spiritual socks. What kind of CV are we going to write? Are we writing just a professional CV about what our qualifications, our secular qualifications? We're going to write another CV, which is what the book of Jonah is all about. The CV of who we are character-wise. Do we have good character traits? So Jonah, three things. Teshuva, you can't run away. And number three is critical. It teaches us about character traits. Whose character traits? Hashem's character traits. We are meant to emulate God's character trait. What is God's character trait? God has mercy on all his creatures. Where do we see this? We see this in the book of Jonah. Well, let's just briefly go through the book of Jonah. Very quickly go through the book of Jonah. And then we'll talk about how to read this inside. So Jonah runs away. God says, go to Nineveh, make them do teshuva. By the way, the commentaries bring down one of the reasons why Jonah did not want to run to Nineveh. Because he says, the Nineveh are the Assyrians. And the Assyrians are the one who are going to come and conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. And yes, they did. Sure enough, they did eventually come and conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. And that's the end of the northern kingdom. The lost ten tribes, by the way, in the news today, we have the Taliban. And according to some opinions, the Taliban, the Pashtun, are descendants of the lost tribes, believe it or not. You can look more into it. There's a lot of information about that. There's books written about this topic. You can look into it. I've looked into it. They have certain customs. For example, they're Muslim today because they were converted to Islam by the sword. But they're the only Muslims who, who circumcise their children on the eighth day. And they have other customs as well. For example... They shuckle. They actually move their bodies. They sway when they learn the Quran. <laughs> Plus, they have other customs, which are secret customs, which they don't reveal to anyone else. So it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to look into. But the lost tribes come from the Assyrians. So Jonah knows. He knows the future. He's a prophet. He knows the Assyrians. The inhabitants of Nineveh eventually, centuries later, are going to come and exile the ten tribes. Why should I go to Nineveh? That's what the commentaries tell us. A lot of the reasons behind Nineveh's, behind Jonah's reckoning of not going to Nineveh is he didn't want to go and save the people of Nineveh, their arch enemies of the Jewish people. 
why should I save them? I want God to destroy them. And re that really answered a lot of questions towards the end of the book, where Jonah is unhappy that they did the Shuvah. He's unhappy that God did not destroy Nineveh. But God is teaching Nineveh. He's going to teach us a lesson as well. Hashem is teaching us a lesson. God has mercy on every single human being. And not just the human beings, Hashem has mercy on the animals as well. Which Let's just go through the book very quickly. And so Yonah, right in the beginning of the book, he runs away from God. He tries to run away. He goes, takes a, a boat. He pays to go on a boat. So, and he's going in the opposite direction. Instead of going towards the east, he's going towards the west. He's going in the Mediterranean towards Tarshish. Then Hashem makes a mighty wind towards the sea. There's a great tempest in the sea and the, and the ship is threatened to be broken. The sailors become frightened. They cry out. They're all idol worshippers. Each one cries out to their God and uh, they, they chuck all their uh, stuff on that boat into the sea to make this, the ship lighter. And Jonah goes down into the depths of the ship and he goes to sleep and he falls fast asleep. Now it's very hard. How do you explain Jonah's going to sleep in the middle of the storm. And it seems like Jonah doesn't care anymore. He's lost his wish to live. And he doesn't care. We're going to see this a theme right through the book. Jonah lost his will, his will to live. He just He's trying to escape from God. He thinks that death is an escape from God. He thinks by sleeping and by dying in the storm, he's going to escape from God. And we're going to see even that's not an escape. So he goes into the sea and he falls fast asleep into the boat. And the ship's master comes to Jonah and says, and this is a famous line that we use in Selichot, at the beginning of Selichot. He says to Jonah, Ma lecha nirdam. Why are you sleeping? Get up and call out to your God. Now is the time to pray. You know, this is the opening line in Sephardic Selichot every night. Humanity, human being, why are you sleeping? Get up and call out in prayer to your God. That's exactly what the master of the ship, we get this line from here from the book of Jonah, this beautiful line. The master of the ship tells Jonah, get up, it's not time to sleep. You're in the middle of a hurricane. You got to pray to God for your life. It's interesting, these guys were idol worshippers, each one's praying to their God. And he's getting Musar from this non-Jewish captain, call to your God. Perhaps God will think of us and will not let us perish. And they said to each other, let us cast lots and see who on who this calamity is upon. They cast lots and the lot fell on, on Jonah. And they asked Jonah, tell us, why has this evil befallen us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your land? What people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear God. Oh, this is a very powerful line. Also, uh, this is a song made by Betty Freeman, which has became a very popular um, song. Ivri Anochi. I am a Jew. I am a Hebrew. But Hashem, I fear God. This is amazing. Uh, I just want to read you again the text in Hebrew. It's a very powerful text. And they asked him who he was, and he says, Ivri Anochi. I am a Jew. I am a Hebrew. And the God of heaven, I fear. Who created the sea and the dry land. And his words has a profound effect on the sailors. This is amazing. This is amazing. The words of Jonah have a profound effect on the sailors. 
these Gentile, these idol-worshipping sailors. And the men were very, very terrified. If you ask me, this is also a very important lesson in the book of Jonah, that when we are addressing God, we have to be terrified. We're talking to the master of heaven and earth, the creator of the world. We have to know who we are. What's our relationship to the creator of the world? How do we relate to the creator of the world? Like these, like these Gentile sailors, we have to learn from simple humanity. When they talk about God, they, they talk in fear of the creator of, the, of heaven and earth. So they tell him, how could you do this? How could you run away from God? Imagine, they, they give him Musar. These non-Jewish sailors are giving Yonah Musar, Jonah Musar. What can we do that we can make the sea quiet? He said, look what he said. He said, chuck me into the sea. Throw me, take me and throw me into the sea and the sea will be quiet. In other words, I want to escape from God. The only escape from God, God wants to kill me. I know God wants to kill me. So you know what? Let God kill me. That's it. His fight is not with you, poor sailors. This fight is with me. Hashem wants me because I disobeyed him. So throw me into the sea and all your troubles will be over. But here we have a lesson also. We have Musar over here from these simple sailors. The sailors do not want to throw him into the sea. They don't want to murder someone with no reason. They don't kill an innocent person. And they called out to Hashem. And they prayed to Hashem. You know, the Midrash says, all these sailors went back to Israel. And they went to the temple and they converted to Judaism and they saw the power of God. And they saw that God runs, chases after, you can't escape from God. They realize that you can't escape from God. And they see the greatness of God. They see that God is uh, pursuing Jonah into the sea, into the boat. And Jonah knows that it's God. And Jonah tries to run away. It leaves a profound effect on these sailors. And they convert to Judaism. They come back to Israel and they convert to Judaism. And he says, throw me into the sea. And they cried to get Hashem. Please, Hashem, let us not perish now on account of this man's soul. Please do not reckon it against us as innocent blood. We know that you're going to punish us if we kill an innocent person. Look at that fear of God. That a simple fear of God that we all have to cultivate. Hashem is watching. Hashem knows what we're doing. This is a tremendous lesson for us on Yom Kippur, this book of Jonah. God is watching. God knows what we're doing. God is very much aware. God, there is reward and there is punishment. That is what the book of Jonah is about. God's awareness, hashgacha, divine omnipotence, uh, divine providence. There is reward. There is punishment. And they pray to God not to punish them for spilling innocent blood. And they take Jonah and they throw him into the sea. And the sea stops its raging. And now they felt a terrific fear of God the sailors. And they took vows, as we said. The text says they took vows. What vows they take? Yes, they end up in Jerusalem. They end up converting to Judaism. And Hashem sends this fish to swallow Jonah. It's interesting because in the news lately, there was a case of Cape Cod of a man who was swallowed by a whale. That's his account. And there's another account in South Africa of us who was swallowed by a fish. Anyway, but it's in the whale that Jonah does to Shuvah sent into the whale and he does the shuva and all of a sudden life has value you know we don't appreciate life until it's too late and Jonah thinks it's too late and inside the fish my prayer came to you and uh, I have vowed I will fulfill for the salvation which is Hashem he's praying to Hashem 
and Hashem addresses the fish and it spews Jonah out into dry land. That's his whole second chapter of Jonah. Is about his story, the fish, how it's teshuva and the fish. So we see not just the teshuva, we see teshuva of the sailors. We see teshuva of Jonah and we see Hashem's mercy on the sailors. Hashem's mercy on Jonah that he gives them a second chance. And that's what we're reading on Yom Kippur, Hashem's mercy. Hashem's mercy with Jonah, Hashem's mercy on the sailors. And then now we come to chapter three, which is Jonah now going to Nineveh. And would you believe it when Jonah tells Nineveh that Hashem's going to punish them for their bad deeds? They all do Teshuva from the king downwards. They all do Teshuva. And that's one of the lessons over here in the book. Both man and animal shall cover themselves with sackcloth and shall call out mightily to God. Every man shall turn back from his evil ways and from the robbery that is in his hands. He who knows shall repent and God will relent. And God saw their deeds and they repented from their evil ways. And Hashem relented concerning the evil he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. He didn't punish Nineveh. We see Hashem's mercy on Nineveh. You do Teshuvah and you get mercy. Wow, that's amazing. That's the power of Yom Kippur. We do Teshuvah and Yom Kippur. We rehash our lives in Yom Kippur. We're meant to rehash our lives. We pray to God for mercy. We're going to be better next year. We're going to work more on the inner content of our lives, not as much on the outer content. And then Jonah is very upset. And that's the fourth chapter. And the fourth chapter is very strange. You know, the book of Jonah could have ended very well at the end of the third chapter. Nineveh repents. That's the end of the story. And we see that's why it's not just enough to say the book of Jonah is about Teshuvah. There's there's another element in the book of Jonah. That's chapter number four, where Jonah starts chutzpah arguing with God. Why did you? I knew. That's why I didn't come. I knew you're a God of mercy. This is one of the themes of the book of Jonah. I knew you're a God of mercy. I knew even though you say you're going to destroy Nineveh, you're not going to destroy Nineveh because you're a God of mercy. And and Hashem says, I shall not take pity upon Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left hand knows the innocent. Why? The ignorance. The ignorance of God, the ignorance of morality, their ignorance, the ignorance of ethics, and many animals as well. So we see Hashem reckons in his scheme of judgment, not just about people, but also animals. It's a very big part that Hashem's mercy extends upon all beings. Hashem's mercy extends upon all beings. And that's the lesson of the book of Jonah. Three lessons of the book of Jonah. Let's this Yom Kippur contemplate and try and find answers to the question which Hashem asked Adam. Ayeka, where are you, Adam? What are you doing, Adam? What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with all the gifts I gave you? Are you doing good things? Are you doing bad things? How do you relate to me? How do you relate to yourself? And how do you relate to others? I wish you all uh, will all be successful and come out of Yom Kippur with a clean slate, clean inside and clean outside. And we will all have a successful Happy New Year. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.